Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 336 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as ever, by former heavyweight world title challenger, one of my best friends in the world. It is, of course, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how you doing this week, man? I'm doing good, my man. How about you? Always good when speaking with you, Eddie. Always good when speaking with you. A little warning I want to um, to issue before we start this week's show. You're going to probably feel like you've banged your head and woke up in 2007 or something. Some of the names in action this weekend are quite unbelievable. And I'm going to tell um, a few a few truths about last weekend as well in the review part, which we'll get into straight away. But um, there's a lot on my mind, so I'm just going to unleash it. There's the warning. Anyway, let's start um, with a card that took place uh, on Friday night, just gone at the Duty 3 Tennis Stadium in Dubai. Um, I didn't actually get round to watching this card, so I'm really um, apologetic for that. Didn't manage to see it. Um, only saw a couple rounds, I think, of the of the main event. Uh, let's get to it anyway. Oshiki Foster now nineteen and two, a unanimous decision win over twelve rounds against Mohamed Kuja Yakubov, who was eighteen and zero undefeated, now eighteen and one. Um, Yakubov down in the twelfth and final round. It was for the WBC Silver Super Featherweight title. Oshiki Foster. Again, I've said it for a long time now. Regis Progre has always told me how good this guy is, and it was his stage uh, to kind of come alive, you know, because he's a good sparer, I've heard, but he hasn't had the best pro career, and he's now 19 and 2, like I say. But yeah, I think he's number one with one of the sanctioning bodies. I think it could be the WBC. This was a final eliminator. Yakubov used to be number one with a WBO, so I'm guessing he's going to probably, you know, take a few steps back. Um, anyway, good win there for Foster. Um, elsewhere on the card, John O'Carroll, friend of the show, with a win. He's now 22 and two with a draw. A TKO in round four against Patrick Ye, who's now 21 and one with a draw. He was undefeated, so a good win there for John O'Carroll. Uh, Estelle Mossley as well, the wife of Tony Yoka. She's now 10 and 0. It was for the IBO World Female Lightweight Title. She was able to beat. Um, Yanina Lescano by split decision over 10 two minute rounds. Lescano now uh, uh, 10 and 2, her record. Um, Bakadir Jalalov as well with a win. He's now 10 and 0. He was able to KO in round 5. Kamil Sokolowski, who was down twice in that round. Very impressive because a lot of people don't manage to stop Sokolowski and a lot of people don't even manage to beat him, by the way. So Jalalov clearly a few leagues apart with Sokolowski. And a man that, for me, kind of stole the show, really. Shabazz Masood, now 10-0. He was able to beat... Uh, Yon Boyo, who's now 43-7. and Boyo failed to come out for round three. And I've said it before, Boyo, you know, has got quite a padded record, but he's been in there deep with some with some guys, and, you know, most of his big fights were losses and stuff like that. But still, a record that you've got to give some kind of respect to, even though it's padded. And he's been in there, you know, and gone the distance and lost to Paul Butler. So that kind of is a measuring stick here. He lost to Paul Butler on points back in 2018. He was stopped in three rounds by Naoya Inoue um, back in 2017. Um, you know, he's got a couple decent wins. It's not all it's not all bad really. Um lost to Carl Frampton on points back in twenty ten. That's going back now. But yeah, for Shabazz Masood to take him out, you know, the quickest, that is quite a statement there for a guy who was only having his tenth fight. So good stuff there for him. Moving out now to the Star Gold Coast in Queensland, Australia. This one over here, Jacob NG. He was fifteen and zero going in against Billy Dib, who's now forty-seven. Uh, sorry, forty-eight and and six. Um, 
Jacob NG actually disqualified. It was for the IBF International and the WBO Oriental lightweight titles. Disqualified in round six. He kind of picked Billy Dib up and just kind of slammed him. It was it was weird. You know, it doesn't really happen in boxing too often. A, di- a disqualification, certainly not for this kind of thing. It was really, really, really weird. Um, but yeah, Billy Dib, you know, got got slammed on the floor. Um, dis, dis, dislodged his rib, and um, I think it was a bit more serious than that as well. Um, yeah, he had three separate fractures actually due to being flipped on the canvas. It was a bit freakish, but it is what it is. And all the best to Billy Dib. Um, got the win. Got the win. Uh, he was losing the fight as well. So on one card, he actually lost all five rounds. Uh, so yeah, anyway, good stuff for him. Uh, moving out now to the duty-free tennis stadium again, Dubai. They had a card on Friday and Saturday. This is a Saturday one, and again, I'm afraid to say I didn't see it. I was actually at a show, so I missed this one. But anyways, uh, let's start with the main event. Sonny Edwards with a win now, 18-0, a unanimous decision over 12 against Mohamed Wasim. Kind of, um, you know, as you'd expect it to have gone, um, Quite wide in the end for Sonny Edwards. I think the pair had sparred previously before as well, so they kind of knew each other quite well. Um, Sonny Edwards, obviously, with a, with a, with a, with blah. Sonny Edwards with a defense, of course, of his IBF World Flyweight title. Um, so yeah, as expected, there a points win for Sonny Edwards. Elsewhere on the card, Regis Progray with a win over Tyrone McKenna. I believe he's become the first man to stop McKenna. It was a TKO in round six. McKenna was down in round two. Progray now twenty-seven and one. McKenna twenty-two and three with a draw. Um, way, way, way too good for McKenna. Is Progray and was Progray? It was a mismatch. It always was. I said it to Progray. I don't know if he liked what I said actually, because when the fight first got made, I texted him and I said. Is the fight actually happening? Like, because there was talk about it for a while. And is it actually happening? Is it actually on? And he said, yeah. And I said, what is the point? And he didn't reply. And I said, like, that's a complete mismatch. And he didn't reply. So I'm not sure he was too happy about it. Saying that, though, we we did an interview, I think, a few weeks back. So I don't think he's too mad. But, yeah, mismatch from the get-go. And it showed in the ring. TJ Doheny also on the card as well. He picked up a win, a TKO in round two against Cesar Juarez, now 27-11. and 11. TJ Doheny now 23-3. and three. Uh, Peter McGraw as well on the card with a win, a second round TKO against Alexandru Ianita, who's now 7-11 and 11 with a draw, Peter McGraw 3-0. Moving out now to the card that I was present for at the Wembley Arena, London, United Kingdom on BT Sport. Um, Starting with the main event, let's start with this one. Friend of the show, David Avenesian, with a TKO in the very first round against Oscari Metz, the previously undefeated fighter, 15-0, now 15-1. Down once prior to the stoppage. Uh, Way too good for him was Avenesian. It wasn't the fight that we wanted to see, and I don't think it was really the fight that Avenesian wanted to have. It was pretty much a keep-busy fight, as I outlined on last week's show. So it was a kind of case of, you know, keep active, keep keep the EBU title, get a defense of it, and um, a big one next, perhaps. So, yeah, he went through him like a hot knife through butter, really. It was it was easy, and um, Metz was just being hit clean so many times on the ropes, and the referee did the right thing to, to stop it. You know, he was on the verge, probably, of being seriously hurt. Um, elsewhere on the card, a brilliant win for Hamza Shiraz. I'm going to give him a lot of credit here. 15-0 and 0 now, a, a KO in the second round against Jed Smith, who's now 13-5 and 5 with a draw. A lot of people felt that Jez Smith might pose a threat to Hamza Shiraz just because he's a tricky fighter. He's always very game, and he was given a lot of notice, which which doesn't always happen. Um, it was for the vacant WBC international silver middleweight title. It's crazy now that there's silver titles at international level. I'm not sure when that came into play. Don't think it's been around for too long. Uh, Smith down in the first round and then down in the second round. Um I saw Mitchell Smith as well, the brother of Jez Smith. He was actually ringside, and I've got to say, he shedded so much weight. He looks absolutely fantastic. It was a real um, brilliant sight to see him back ringside cheering on his brother. We want to see him back in the ring. He was a great talent for a while, 
and then he disappeared. I think he went to prison and the rest of it put on loads of weight. Anyways, all the best to him. But getting back onto the fight, good stuff for Hamza Shiraz as well. You know, hasn't had the best time recently. The controversial win over Bradley Ski wasn't really his fault kind of thing. Well, I guess it kind of was. But, the you know, the officials didn't really... Um, you know they they made a mistake as well, and that was the main thing. And they didn't they didn't make up for it. And um, you know he had to move on. And fair play to him, it's a good win. And like I say, a lot of people felt Smith might have a few you know a few uh, tools that he could bring to the table, some problems he could pose, but didn't really get going at all. And he's gone for him quickly there, Shiraz, and not many people do that to Jez Smith. So tough place for Jez Smith to. To, to kind of come back from this but great stuff for Hamza Shiraz who as I said is out there um, in Van Nuys uh, California training under under um, Ricky Funes at the Goosem Boxing Gym or Tengoose I think they call it um, elsewhere on the card a good win for Mark Chamberlain as well a little bit I think he was probably a little bit too big for his opponent Jeff Afori who again a lot of people felt could maybe do something there, but no, he didn't get into the fight at all. He's now 11 and 4 with a draw of 4 and Mark Chamberlain 10 and 0, like I say. Um, retirement win in round five there. Um, Sam Noakes, he was on last week's show and he was back once again with a bang 9 and 0, 9 KOs, a KO in round four against a previously undefeated, sorry, not previously undefeated, he'd never been stopped. He was, he was um, 15 and 4 with two draws, now 15 and 5 with two draws, never been stopped. He was, he was not out in round four it was for the wbc international silver lightweight title fiat uh, finiello down from a right uppercut prior to the knockout um nice knockout from sam noakes who some people kind of got back to me after last week's show said they like sam noakes very down to earth really cool guy stuff like that we got some good feedback um so yeah pleased for sam noakes man really pleased for him i think the power is certainly real um the, this guy was a southpaw i think it's the second time he's boxed a southpaw in his nine fights he's he's knocked them both out i think in round one and round four um so yeah the power is very real and one thing i loved about vincenzo finiello is that after he got knocked out he got back up and he decided to pick Sam Noakes up on his shoulders and then parade him around the ring with his arms up as if he was celebrating something. So um, I've never seen a fighter get knocked out and then get back up off the canvas and do that after the fight. He was very, very happy, uh, it seemed, with being stopped, which was kind of weird. Um, great sportsmanship, though. That's what I'm getting at there. Uh, Dennis McCann with a win as well. He's now 12-0, a unanimous decision over eight rounds against Charles Tondo. Scorecard's very wide in the end, but I don't think they really tell the story of the fight. Charles Tondo was was quite tough, um, well, very tough actually, and he landed some great shots on Dennis McCann. He certainly had to eat a lot a lot more shots than he would have been happy with. Um, so yeah, still improvements that I want to see from McCann, but you know what? He's still so young, you know, he's, he's still getting better and stuff all the time, and I think Give him a couple of years. I think he's he's going to really improve. Um, that one, by the way, was for the vacant WBO Youth Super Bantamweight title. So that now belongs to Dennis McCann. Moving out now to the Hilton Hotel in Newcastle, Tynan Ware. Just one fight to mention. Dave, the white rhino, Allen, was back with a bang. A TKO win in round two against Milan Paunov, who's now 5-9. and nine. Dave Allen now 20-5 and five with two draws. So that's nice to see him get to 20. Wins. Moving out now to the USC Galen Center in Los Angeles, California, USA. This one, I think, is the no. It's the it's, there's uh, two more cars to go over. This is the first of the two. Um, yeah, the main event. Alexis Rocha now 19 and one. He was able to knock out in in round nine. Blair Cobb's friend of the show now 15 and one with a draw. Um, yeah, Cobb's down in round eight, and you know. It was tough to see, really, because uh, I want to kind of say that maybe Blair Cobbs was found out a little bit. I mean, he's a great showman. He's he's colourful. He's exciting and stuff. But I think, and I've always kind of felt it about him. There's there's confidence and there's delusion. And the way he speaks about some of the top fighters, namely what I think he was saying about Errol Spence just seems ridiculous and you know based off of nothing and now this loss I think hurts even worse for him we've got a lot of people kind of making fun of him now but yeah as for Rocha he broke him down 
Um, you know, Cobbs was ragged. He was easy to hit. The best thing I think he did was just get on the bicycle and dance around, really. Uh, he landed two great left hands in one of the rounds, but Rocha didn't budge. But yeah, you know, Cobbs at the end pretty much had nothing. Freddie Roach even threatened to stop the fight in the corner after after Cobbs got dropped. He actually said, you're getting killed in there. And, you know, Cobbs begged to go back out. He, he, he was going to go back out on the promise. He was going to show, uh, show, you know, Freddie Roach something. He came back out. He got stopped in that next round. But yeah, Cobbs, you know, 32 years of age, hasn't really been active enough in his career. Started late, never really looked able to cut it at the top level. Um, you know, had a few scares, even just getting to 13-0, and and now obviously he's lost his O. Um, again, Rocha I don't think is a well-beater, but he was just, you know, a level above Cobbs, unfortunately. And Cobbs, I think, you know, I don't think he's ever going to be a world champion. I, I hope that doesn't come across harsh. I really like the guy. I hope he can come back and salvage something of his career. I like the guy, like I say, but nah, not not world level. Don't think he's going to get there. Not everyone can be. There's n there's nothing wrong with that. Um, Eddie, you've unmuted. I think you used to know Blair Cobbs back in the day. Did you want to add something? Yeah, yeah. I knew Blair. You know, he was a lot quieter. Did you watch the fight, yeah? Yeah, I watched the. Oh, okay. I watched the. I watched more more of the highlights of it. Um, I was trying to watch it live, but I just wasn't able to get. I, I I think I got in too late or whatever. I can't remember for sure. But um, you know, Blair is still reminds me. This still does the same things that he was doing when he was younger. You know, uh, extremely athletic and explosive, but so flawed in so many ways. He just does so many things wrong. And he has like this, he has this blind belief, which is generally a good thing. You're confident to be really confident. But he just had, he, he had it in, in, in a negative, and I think it was a little bit too much and a little negative. And he always wasn't respecting a lot of his peers who were, you know, levels above him. You could just see the way he talks. And those types of situations will put you in a, you know, in a, in a, in a fight or in a situation in a fight where you're just not expecting to have it hard. And then when it turned up on him, and he's, you know, trying to figure it out, he's, you know, at this point, he doesn't know he doesn't have a plan B. You understand what I'm saying? He just feels like, I'm Blair. I'm supposed to go in. I'm Blair to Flair. I'm supposed to go in and take people apart. Doesn't work like that. You know what I'm saying? You got to do the work in the gym. You got to do the work throughout your career. And you got to respect who you're in the ring with. And that proves it. When you don't, that's what happens to you. And, yeah, he used to be in the gym with us and, he would do well at times. I remember he spar Steve all the time. Those sparring sessions were difficult for him. <laughs> you know, but then other times he did well and he got better. But he just, he, uh, you know, he had he was he was more quiet then. But you know, his old persona I guess changed and you know wants to start moving out west. And now he thinks he's you know, he thought he was the, 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 the pound for pound best, and now he sees he's not even close to that. So, you know, it's unfortunate that that had to happen to him, but. You know, it's boxing. You know, sometimes you get disappointed. It's important for him to come back and, and really try to improve skill-wise and really do some things that to, to improve his position as a fighter in the long term. Yeah, I remember the first time I interviewed Blair, and I didn't actually know much about him. I'm going to say it now, you know. Someone actually asked me to do the interview with him, and I I didn't know who he was at the time. And when I got him on, he kind of, you know, he was telling me, like, yeah, you know, Blair the Flair. And I said, what, you know, like, for those that haven't seen you fight before, you know, what kind of style do you have? What other fighter out there that we would have known, you know, uh, a well-known fighter? What kind of style do you have? And he said, Manny Pacquiao. And I was like, wow, okay. And he was like, you know... Uh, <laughs> He's got the speed, he's got the power, he's stopping people, he's, um, you know, he's he was talking, I think, smack about maybe some of the top fighters, and I was thinking, wow, uh, this guy, you know, this is going to be interesting, but, you know, it is what it is, we, we, we shall see. All the best to him, we, we like him on this show, we certainly do. Um, on the undercard of that, by the way, we, we, we had uh, Ramla Ali with a win, she's 5-0, and a KO in round two against Shelly Barnett. Good stuff there for Ramla Ali, managed by Anthony Joshua. 
obviously a, a British female fighter. Um, Beck Tamir, Beck the Bully, he was back as well with another win. He's now 9-1, and one, a KO in round two against David Zagara, who is now 34-8. and eight. Um, Yeah, Melikuziev pretty much back to what he was doing before he got absolutely poleaxed by Gabe Rosado, who was actually doing a bit of commentary as well. I don't think uh, he would have been too pleased to see him in the building uh, when he's when he's walking to the ring and he glances over and sees Gabe Rosado wouldn't do him too much uh, in the confidence section. Um, elsewhere on the card, Michael McKinson as well, friend of the show. Obviously um, gutted for him that the Virgil Ortiz fight fell apart at the last stages, but he did fight, thankfully. He's now 22-0, and unanimous decision over 10 rounds against Alex Martin. Was a little bit close, I think, going down uh, the stretch, even though they didn't have it too close on the scorecards. Martin now 17-4. and um, Yeah, McKinson was doing what he usually does for those that haven't seen him before. He kind of hits, doesn't get hit. He's very elusive, great judge of distance, good footwork. He can change his hand speed up really quickly as well. He kind of throws shots from unusual angles. But, you know, credit as well to his opponent who wasn't really a true welterweight and obviously came in on, I think it was like two days notice or something. But, you know, McKinson... You know, he's got a bit of swagger about his work. I always like watching him fight. Ever since I first kind of discovered him on a small horse show, I thought, wow, he's going to be something. And he, he's been proving me right ever since. Um, yeah, but no, his opponent started really well. Um, and the other thing I was going to say is that, you know, it's, it's very difficult to prepare all camp for a puncher an aggressive, come-forward style like Virgil Tees, and then completely, with a couple days out, fight the polar opposite, which is a guy that doesn't really want to engage, isn't coming forward, he's boxing off the back foot, and isn't too much of a puncher. It's like the complete opposite to what you've been preparing for. So I think we need to cut uh, McKinson a little bit of slack there for those that weren't too impressed, those that were watching it saying, wow, look at this guy. Virgil Ortiz would have slaughtered him. Good job he didn't end up fighting him. I didn't really like seeing that from, I think, a lot of the US-based people that probably haven't seen McKinson fight before and think that is is all what he can do. You know, he's a, he's a very good fighter, proven as well, and um, he wouldn't have boxed like that against Ortiz. He was completely expecting something different. Um, so, yeah, let's cut him a little bit of slack there. Um, moving out now to the final card. It took place at the Madison Square Garden Theatre in New York. Let's talk about the undercard first. We had a win for Xander Zayas, who's just, look, just looking good every single time we see him fight. The Puerto Rican prospect now 13-0. and A unanimous decision over eight rounds against Quincy Levi, who's now 12-3 and with a draw. Um, and then there's the main event. Edgar Belanga... 19-0, and 0, goes the distance for the third time in the row, you know, since stopping that unbelievable 16-0 and 0, um, first round knockout streak. Since then, he's gone the distance three times, and he went the distance here against Steve Rolls, and it was relatively close. Steve Rolls now 21-2. and 2. It was for the WBO, NABO, super middleweight title. I was absolutely fuming at my TV when I saw this, by the way, because I put on, uh, as they say, an accumulator slash parlay, um, and I was very, very confident in it coming through, to be completely honest with you. And I'm going to, um, I need to find the parlay now because it's going to annoy me. Uh, where's it gone? Where's it gone? Yeah, here it is. So I had Oshiki Foster to win the fight against Mohamed Kuja Yakubov. He did. I had Estelle Mosley to win her fight. By decision, she did. I had Shabazz Massoud to win his fight, any method, he did. I had Regis Progray to win by knockout against McKenna, he did. I had Sonny Edwards to beat Wasim on points, he did. I had Sam Noakes to win his fight by knockout, he did. I picked David Avanesian to win his fight by knockout, he did. I had Alexis Rocha and Blair Cobbs to not go the distance. It almost did. It went to round nine, but that one came through as well. And then I had Edgar Belanga to win by knockout because I thought he might be able to knock out Steve Rolls, who he's much bigger than. And he let me down, man. I would have made, I think, about 18 times my stake if that would have came in. And instead, 
I lost it all. So thank you very much to Edgar Belanga. Um, I was so fuming with my TV and everything. I was screaming at the TV. Um, whenever Belanga did let his hands go, he looked he looked a little bit dangerous. But at the same time, he looked a bit worried about getting hit. Um, and I was so fuming after the fight that I tweeted something that is probably the most disrespectful thing I've ever said about a fighter. And I don't like to do it. I'm not... Listen, there's loads of podcasts out there that like to spend all their time being negative about various different fighters and promoters and stuff like that. I'm not one of those guys. I'm not here for negativity. And that's not my style. You should probably know that if you listen to the show. I don't like to talk negative. I like to really, you know, actually inflate a fighter's ego, if anything. And this time, I sent a tweet out and I said that Edgar Belanga, when, if he doesn't get a knockout in the first round, his twin sister gets in, his identical twin sister gets in the ring after round one and takes his place for the rest of the fight with no one noticing. <laughs> and Caleb Truax commented with laughing faces, so he liked it. But um, I, I almost wanted to delete the tweet, but I was so annoyed at the time. Did you see any of it, Eddie? Because um, I was, we were kind of flipping flapping, me and you, last week. I was saying that I don't think Steve Rolls is all that bad. And if anything, he might have proved me right going the distance with Edgar Belanga. Honestly, yeah. I, I mean, I didn't, see, I, didn't, I didn't watch any of it. And I, I uh, forgot about it. I don't know how I did. Because I knew he was fighting, but I forgot about him fighting Steve Rolls. I, I kind of want to look at it now to kind of see how Steve Rolls looked. Because him being, and that's what you know, because me looking at him as the the guy that you know the 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 A side, he just didn't really. He's not. He's like a a older, like basic, decent guy who you know could carry a fight, can can stay around, you know, make it difficult for a guy, a little difficult. But if he gets in there with somebody who's a serious talent should just annihilate him, no disrespect. And, you know, hearing that Belanga didn't do that, I just I just have to, I just got to see it. I got to see how he looked. And I'm not being disrespectful to Steve Rose, man. I mean, he's, he's obviously a, a pro's pro, you know what I mean? He's up there and he's doing it. So um, it's just it's just hearing, you know, the, the how great Belanga is as a fighter to then see him, you know, like these last three fights and, you know, having the difficulty and then not, you know, blowing this guy away kind of makes, you know, he seems human. And I mean, hey, look, he's still, he's still, you know, he's still a top level, you know, a top level prospect, a good talent, a good talent and everything is, you know, it's nothing, taking nothing away from him or even taking anything away from Steve Rolls. It's just that I don't see that much from Steve Rolls, no disrespect. So that's, you know, that's, if, if you want to look at Steve Rolls as a measuring stick for Edgar Malanga, I don't know how good of a win it is without him like I'm not I don't know if he dominated I don't I didn't see a, a minute of it but um I'm pretty sure he did but just like not you know getting knocking him down not really you know not not taking him apart like he should have in my opinion could be a bit of a uh you know a negative uh review on that yeah I mean I don't even know if I'd say he dominated. It was very nip and tuck. And, you know, at times he just wasn't letting his hands go. I'm not sure why. But whenever he did let his hands go, he looked like he was, um, you know, uh, having success with it. And he would hit rolls, you know, at occasions or on occasions. And it seemed like if he maybe followed up with two or three more, he might have him going. Like, Rolls didn't really like it, but Rolls showed a lot of good movement, and he kind of just rolled out of there, to be honest with you. Um, you know, a bit of a play on his name. But no, he he, he boxed pretty well. He was moving, he, he showed his footwork off, he had better footwork than Belanga. And um, I don't know if Belanga just kind of fell in love with himself a little bit and bought into his own hype, which is hard not to do when you're knocking 16 people out in the first round in a row. But he, I saw a little clip of him before the fight, and it was him and Jared Anderson, both in the same gym, and they were talking, well, it was mainly Belanga talking, it was a promo for his fight, but he was talking about, you know, he, he how he loves Jared Anderson, and they're both like brothers, and, you know, they're, they're both going to be superstars, and we're born to do this stuff, and I kind of thought to myself, he's almost the exact opposite of Jared Anderson. 
Jared Anderson, I think he's a very hard-working, young heavyweight. Obviously, spars with Tyson Fury, stuff like that. He's been brilliant as a pro. Some people think he's the best heavyweight in America already, over Wilder, over Michael Hunter and the rest of the uh, the guys. Um, and you've got Belanga, who still hasn't lost a fight, so I don't want to be too harsh here. He's clearly won every fight he's had, but... I don't know. Something's definitely missing. And when he went the distance with Demond Nicholson, which I was shocked about because I don't rate Demond Nicholson too much. I remember him quitting against Jesse Hart. Um, I didn't think that Belanga would struggle with him. And then when he got put down in the next fight after that, and then this one here where he looked at times a little bit worried about overcommitting... I don't know what's going on with him, man. It's, it's Something is missing. And, yeah, I remember after one of his fights, he was, uh, I think, in the studio dancing with Snoop Dogg. And, you know, he's... he's um, I don't want to stereotype him, but, like, I think he sort of was driving around flashy cars, buying flashy things. And Jared Anderson is completely not like that from what I've seen. So, I don't know. I think he needs to maybe take a little bit more... Uh, t- you know, take a leaf out of Jared's book and maybe spend a bit more time around him. Maybe Jared needs to, you know, uh, tell him a few things or whatever, some home truths or something. Just kind of get him back on track because something's missing. And right now, we're just not sure where he is. Again, it's so hard to determine where a guy is when they're knocking everyone out. And then when they step up the the, the opposition... You're like, what? You didn't knock him out though? And then wait, you've gone wait, you've been knocked down by him who got knocked out by him? And then you you go to distance with Steve Rolls and now we're just really unsure. Like, would he be able to hang with the other guys at that weight? Um, you know, we're just not sure. I don't know where his level is, because he blow through one level, and then when he stepped up to the next level, it was a very, very steady step up. He seems like, ooh. Well, all of a sudden, his ceiling has just fallen down massively, and he's kind of not far from his ceiling. It's really odd, but we shall see what happens with him. All the best to him. Hope he gets back with those knockouts, because for a time, I mean, he was probably the prospect, you know, the, the brightest prospect in the whole world for a little time there. But, um, yeah, he needs to get back to it. He still hasn't lost a fight, but something has certainly changed, it would seem. But, anyway, that is it, though, for the review part of the show. Just before we wrap up part one, the final thing for me to do is to come in with this week's special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the undefeated number one ranked super middleweight contender in the world. It is, of course, Mr. Zach Parker. Zach, welcome back on the show, my man. Yeah, good to be here, mate. Good to see you again. Yeah, absolutely. Always good speaking with you, Zach. So we last spoke back in November, uh, just after the Marcus Morrison win last time out. Uh, Obviously, not too much has happened since then. The latest news, though, is this upcoming fight, May 21st, Pride Park Derby. I know you've always dreamt of fighting there one day, but to bring a fighter like Demetrius Andrade over there, Zach, I mean, this is mega. I'm sure you're, you're over the moon, Uncle Frank dug deep in those pockets to get you that home advantage. That's it, yeah, I'm absolutely buzzing that. Not only like fighting obviously proper getting get obviously getting like a massive fight in, with Demis Andre, two weight world champion, been around the block like plenty of times. So yeah, it's been it's amazing that obviously Frank and all my team can get over the line and uh, yeah, that's what the that's what your promoter's meant to do, just back the boy in it. So yeah, we're we're just looking forward to uh, showing what not just like what I'm about and but what Derby's about as well. Uh they don't get spoke about much on the boxing scene. So, yeah, we're just trying to put it on the map. Yeah, and um, that brings me on to my next question pretty well. What do you anticipate the crowd will be like? Will it be hostile for Andre, do you think? Yeah, most definitely. It'll just be a pro Parker crowd that will um, obviously be in Derby. Uh, this is my hometown. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're hoping to fill it. You know what I mean? Uh, but, um, obviously, we've got a hard fight in front of us. So, yeah, don't... don't Obviously, the crowd ain't going to help where I'm in the ring. So, yeah, I'm fully focused on the fight. It's excellent. And I'm really hoping for such a fantastic turnout. And it's something that I think, uh, even though Andrade is very experienced, he wouldn't have probably been in an environment like that. Um, What do you think of Andrade, Zach? Because sometimes he kind of gets a lot of stick from the casuals, sometimes even the hardcores. But if we're being honest, he's extremely awkward. He's very, very skilled. What's your thoughts on him, though? That's it. Yeah, he's um, like I said earlier, he's been round the block. He's, I think he's getting on like 34 now. So yeah, um, awkward southpaw. Um, 
yeah, it's, it's, it's a hard man to be. That's why I was undefeated and been a two-weight world champion. Um, but I just think I've got it in the locker to beat him. Obviously, I'm awkward myself, switch it, and I can bang with both hands. Um, he's coming up a weight again. He, he started, well, he started off at like middle, yeah. and then he's come up to middle, and he, and now he's come up to super middle. He's been hurt in them smaller weights before, and uh, when I, when I hurt whoever I'm in with, when I hurt him, I'm, I don't let I don't let up, and uh, I, I I always get him out of there. So yeah, I think it's just the right time for me. I'm 27, coming into my prime, and uh, yeah, I think everything's just falling into place for me, especially um, like it's in my hometown as well. It just gives me that extra boost. And after Frank Warren announced your fight on May 21st, just days later, Eddie Hearn announced Craig Richards versus Josh Boatsy for the same date. Not ideal for boxing fans. Do you think that will have a negative impact uh, on the viewing figures or perhaps the fans in attendance in any way, Zach? No, I don't think I, I don't think it will at all. Um, obviously, this is a much bigger fight than that. Uh, this, I'm fighting a two-weight world champion. This Whoever wins out of this gets Canelo next. And uh, yeah, if... If like obviously it's bad for box fans because they ain't gonna be watching both live at the time, but we put ours out first, so they just want to arrive with it. You would have thought Eddie Earn would have been 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 on at the show, what uh, looking at his fight of Getby in, in Andre. So yeah, we'll just have to um, obviously you don't back his boy as much as you thought, and uh, yeah, it's, I don't think it'll do much uh, to the game because because this is a bigger fight. You get me. No, I agree. I agree. Certainly a lot more on the line. Two undefeated fighters, a former two-weight world champion against, you know, number one ranked. Uh, no one knows how good you are just yet. Everyone's just, you know, waiting to see what you can do. And, um, you know, those two guys, I mean, Craig Richards is a good friend of mine, but, you know, hasn't hasn't really cut it at top level just yet. And obviously, Buatzi's yeah. still a bit unproven. Very slow, his progression. Anyways, um, as you say, you know, it's for the interim WBO super middleweight world title. It would appear certainly as though the winner will surely get the Canelo fight, but you just never know with Canelo, Zach. He, he's got his own rules. Yeah, definitely. He's obviously, he's a cash man in the boxing scene at the minute. And, uh, but there's only so long that until the mantra gets pulled up. Um, I thought... I've been mantra for like over two years now, and uh, this I think this is like the final eliminator. Um, well, you should hope it is fighting the fighting the caliber of what Andre does. Uh, yeah, I think it, it will get brought up to Canelo after this, saying either you got a fight, or obviously if you're staying at light heavy, like obviously he's gone up to light heavy, so you might want to stay up there. You'll have to vacate, and then whoever obviously if I win this fight, I'll be made um, world champion straight away because it's for the interim. So yeah. We'll just wait and see what he's doing, but I'd, I'd obviously I'd love that fight as well in the future. And as we're on the subject of Canelo, obviously two weeks before your fight, he goes up to one seven five, as you correctly said, to take on Bivol. Are you a fan of that fight? How do you see it going, Zach? Yeah, I think um, Canelo is just he wants to chase big fights. But obviously, box world champions, and uh, yeah, I think it's, it's a good fight. Obviously, he's going up in weight again, uh, but I reckon. Canelo will probably get him out uh, late on. Um, he's just he's got the he's elusive, too elusive for them bigger guys. Like, is uh, it's, it's too quick for him? And uh, yeah, I, th- I think he'll probably get him out later on. And last time we spoke, you were kind of hinting a little bit at your desire to maybe in the in the future take on uh, Chris Eubank Jr. Is that still something that interests you or not at the minute? Yeah, hundred percent in the future. We'll see. Obviously. Is uh, on his path with obviously Sky and that, and I'm with BT at the minute. But if if it makes sense down the line, then def- I'm definitely up for it. Um, I, like I said, I've said loads of times. I think everyone in the UK would want me to absolutely not. It's knocking Spark out. So yeah, um, yeah. That, if if it if it come up in the future, then we'll take it with both hands. But I'm fully focused on Andre on 21st of May at the minute. Yeah, for sure. And my final two questions, I just want to get your take on two other fights that's taking place. Um, another one for your division, David Benavidez, David Lemieux, same night as your fight. Uh, some people are a little bit not too excited about that one, to be honest, but how do you see it going? Any interest? Uh, I think um, Benavidez will walk through him. He's been beat loads of times in, at middleweight and out box loads of times, and you see the size of Benavidez compared to a, Lemieux is too big for him, and uh, I don't, I don't even know if he's fought at super middle properly. 
uh, Lemay. But um, yeah, I'd say Benavidez easy win there. And then last but not least, of course, uh, not in your weight class, but I know you'll be watching it for sure. Fury White, April 23rd. Yeah. I think you're back in Fury. <laughs> yeah, I should be ringside for that one. Yeah, you've got to get you got to get them special nights in boxing. I think that's going to be one of them. Obviously, Wembley It's going to be packed out, 100,000 people. So, yeah, um, hopefully rings off for that. And uh, I'm back in my man Fury. So, yeah, should, I, th- I think he'll probably bo- he'll box, he'll outbox him at first and then maybe take him out late on. So, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, it's going to be a great one. And I'm sure you will take some time away to get over there. You have to. Um, just finally, Zach, if you've got any closing words before we wrap it up, my man, say whatever you like before we let you go. Yeah, just uh, make sure you watch Fight 21st May, BT Sport. And obviously, uh, if you're getting tickets, £10 of, off every ticket goes back to Derby County. Obviously, we're in a bad time at the minute with ad- administration and that. So, yeah, it's just like, well, I, I, as soon as I said that, that we're boxing at Pride Park, I said to Frank, we need to give back to the club as well. So, yeah, uh, £10 off every ticket goes to back to the club. So, tune in. Yeah, that's an amazing gesture. Every ticket, that's that's a big percentage as well there. Uh, listen, Zach, it's always a pleasure speaking with you, my friend. Best of luck, of course, for May 21st, and we'll speak sometime afterwards. Yeah, cheers, mate. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. We're going to start here with the fact that Probellum have signed Jack Catterall. So he is signed with Probellum promotionally. Good stuff for him off the back of his very controversial quote-unquote loss to um, to Josh Taylor. Uh, it's been officially announced. We spoke to the man a few moments ago. Zach Parker will be taking on Demetrius Andre. That one to take place May 21st in Derby in a football stadium, in Derby County's football stadium. I think Wayne Rooney will be there, perhaps. He's the manager of Derby County as it stands. So, yeah. Brilliant stuff there for Zach Parker. We spoke to him, as I say, a couple of moments ago. And um, Demetrius Andrade as well, friend of the show. So it's going to be a cracking fight. Really looking forward to that one there. In other news, Josh Buatzi and Craig Richards will be getting it on. Josh Buatzi, obviously the Olympic bronze medalist. Craig Richards, the, uh, the former world title challenger, came up short just against Dimitri Bivol. He gets in with Buatzi. Great fight. Both guys, not only from London, but actually both from kind of Croydon ways, really, where I'm from. So it's a massive fight. Buatzi, of course, grew up on the same estate I did. And Craig Richards is one of my closest friends in boxing. So um, really, really looking forward to that one. Unfortunately, it's going to clash with Zach Parker and Demetrius Andrade. It takes place May 21st as well. Um... In other news, we have the fact that Montana Love will be getting in with Gabriel Valenzuela. That one's going to take place on the Canelo and Bivol undercard once again, May 7th at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. And also on the card, Philip Hergovic gets in with Zili Zhang for a final eliminator there for the IBF World Heavyweight title. Unbelievable that fight has been made. I, I really hope the odds are close on that because Hergovic will knock Zhang out. Um, absolutely guaranteeing that one. Um, okay, in other news, in other news, what else do we have? Um, what else do we have? Charlie Edwards has actually signed with Probellum as well, the former WBC flyweight world champion, another guy from Croydon, my hometown, another friend of mine. All the best to him. He's been a bit quiet since he lost his world title, um, been a bit inactive. I think he left... He left Eddie Hearn, went with Frank Warren. I think he boxed on an MTK show. Now he's with Probellum. It's all been a bit uh, here, there, and everywhere, to be honest. But all the best to him. Really, really happy that he is you know, going to surely be back active now. And um, once again, it's... it's you know, it's looking like Probellum's intentions are to, you know, make the best fights and be quite active all over the world, actually, for all their fighters. So really pleased about that. Moving on now to the preview part of the show. We're going to start here with a card that takes place tomorrow at the Newcastle Arena. Um, there's boxing all over the place this weekend, like on all different channels. So I'm guessing this is going to be on Eurosport. But anyway, back to it. Newcastle Arena. Um, Probellum show, really, really happy with the lineup as well. They have done excellent to get all these names from the 
you know, from from kind of Newcastle sides. They've done brilliant to get all these names on on the bill. We've got Troy Williamson topping the bill, seventeen and zero with a draw in a twelve rounder defending his British. Uh, British Super Welterweight title against Mason Cartwright, 17-2 with a draw. We've got Lewis Ritson, the Sandman, 22-2 in a 10-rounder against former world champion. I'm sure he was, was it the WBC lightweight title? I think he had Dijan Zlatichanin, who's been a little bit hit and miss since being knocked out by Mikey Garcia. He's 24-3. and three. Um... We've got Thomas Patrick Ward, 31-0 with a draw in a 10-rounder against Alexis Cabor, who's 29-5. Definitely seen that name before, Alexis Cabor. Just trying to wreck my brain where I've seen it. I know I've seen that one before. Some names that you go over of all the thousands of names I've gone over, probably tens of thousands of names, some just stick out to you. Yeah, that's it. Oh, my God, how embarrassing. He boxed Archie Sharp last time out in one of the last boxing events I went to. That one was back in... Uh, back in October, so yeah, went the distance with Archie Sharp, been the distance with a few other guys, uh, Ray Vargas as well, um, yeah, so great stuff there, I would expect that, I I don't know what the odds are going to be, but that one to go the distance is absolutely nailed on, guaranteed, it's got to be, also on the card, Pat McCormack makes his pro debut over six rounds against Danny Mendoza, who's six and seven, and we also have Joe Laws on the card as well, 12-1, and one, no opponent just yet for him. Moving on now to this one, it takes place in Argentina at the Estadio Luna Park in Buenos Aires. Over here, the undefeated Argentine Gustavo Daniel Lemos, who's 27-0 in a 12-rounder here against friend of the show, former IBF featherweight world champion Lee Selby, 28-3. Not really sure where Lee Selby's at these days. Um, again, it's been quite slow since he lost his world title to Warrington. Um, I think, didn't he come back against Ricky Burns? And that wasn't a great fight. And, you know, he's popped up here kind of out of nowhere. I think it's going to be on Premier Sports in the UK, which I think is a subscription channel. But anyway, all the best to Lee Selby. Really, really, you know, always been a massive supporter of Lee Selby. So I'm hoping he can do the business against an undefeated Argentine there. I know he's been sparring hard, training hard, stuff like that in the build-up to this fight. It's over 12 rounds. I think it's a final eliminator as well. So hopefully he can win. All the best to him out there in Argentina. Uh, moving out now to this one here which I really love it's at the Firat Arslan Sports Centre who do you think the promoter might be here Eddie? <laughs> Borat? <laughs> no of course the, the, promo the, promo the promoter of the show obviously Firat Arslan not only is he the promoter of the show not only is he fighting <laughs> on the card but he's he's actually uh, the venue itself is named after him he's 51 51 years of age now. He's record 50 and 9 with three draws, getting in with Tony Thez, who's 19 and 10 with a draw. And this one I love as well. On the undercard, there's a guy called Daniel Diets. Daniel Diets. And you've guessed it. He, of course, is a heavyweight. So I'm not sure what diet he's on. I'm not sure what diet he's on. But he gets in with a No, why did you have to say that? Why did you have to say heavyweight? Hell, he's a heavyweight. He's making his pro debut over four rounds against a guy who's zero and two. So all the best to Mr. Diets. Um, I, I think, I think his diet is a seafood diet, but not yeah, the kind no. of seafood you're thinking of. Yeah, yeah. You see the food, you <laughs> <laughs> <He> eat it. <laughs> oh, As I said earlier on in the show, you're gonna probably feel like you've banged your head and woke up in 2007 because we move now to Germany. Uh, well, we were just in Germany, but we're moving to another part of Germany. This one at the Westfalen Hall in Dortmund. Over here we've got Felix Sturm, 42-5 and five with three draws, fighting here for the IBO Intercontinental Super Middleweight title against Isvan Silly, who is 25-2 and two with two draws. On the undercard as well, Rhino Liebenberg, 21-8 and eight with a draw, getting in with Kasim Uma, 29-16 and 16 with a draw. Um, moving out now to the duty-free tennis stadium in Dubai, um, United Arab Emirates over here. And as I said, it really is going to feel like you've banged your head and woke up in 2007. Because over here we have the return to the ring for Mr. Marcos El Chino Maidana. He gets back in the ring here against a YouTuber. 
by the name of Yao Cabrera, who I think apparently was most famous because he went viral because he did a prank where he faked his own death or something. But anyway, great to see Marcos Maidana back. He seems like he's shedded a lot of weight, and it's just so random, and I love a random fight. Why on earth is Marcos Maidana put down the the whiskey bottles and the and the cigars and ended up in Dubai fighting a YouTuber? You could never predict it. That's why we love the sport of boxing. Um... Elsewhere on the card, we've got Mike Perez as well, the Cuban, obviously down at cruiserweight these days, 26-3 and with a draw, fighting here for the WBA Intercontinental Cruiserweight title against Vasil Dukar, who some people might remember he boxed... Um, oh man, he boxed uh, Chris Billum Smith recently, about a year ago, maybe something like that, within the last year. So yeah, that's where I know him from. Um, elsewhere on the card, Lemroy Thomas, twenty-five and five, with a draw in an eight-rounder against Agron Smakichi, who's seventeen and one. That's about it there for that one. Moving out now to the Victoria Warehouse in St- in uh, Trafford Road, Manchester, Lancashire, over here. Um, Friend of the show, I want to say former co-host, even though she only co-hosted one show, but Hannah Bagley, 1-0 as a pro. She is having her second pro fight over four two-minute rounds against Becky Ferguson, who's 1-4. and four. Uh, Moving out now to the Wembley Arena. I was there last Saturday, but this one I should have tried to go to, to be honest, but I left it too late. But anyway, really, really good card, and I'm gutted that I didn't apply for it. Um... We've got Chris Congo, 12 and 1, getting in with Kelvin Dotel, who is 14 and 6. We've got Shannon Ryan, who is a lady making her debut over four two-minute rounds. She's actually being managed, I believe, by Anthony Joshua. So perhaps she's special. I'm not too sure. I've only seen a few pictures of her. I haven't seen what she fights like, but she's on that card. We've got Zach Chelly, 10-1 and 1 with a draw in a six-rounder. No opponent just yet for him. We've got Joe Pigford, 18-0, and 0, always in a great fight in a six-rounder against David Romero, who's 12-14 and 14 with a draw. We've got the sister of Daniel Dubois, Caroline Dubois, in a six-two-minute round contest. She's 1-0. She gets in with Martina Horgaz, who's 5-8. and eight. Um... We've got Dan Aziz, 15-0 in a 10-rounder against Matthew Tinker, who's 8-0. I'm pretty sure Dan Aziz had the British title. Not sure what's going on with that one. Why isn't this a defense of it? I don't know. Maybe he's vacated it. Not too sure. Um, elsewhere on the card, a good fight as well. Quite a 50-50, I guess, between Louis Green, who's 13-2, and, and Harry Scarf, who's 10-2. That one's for the vacant English welterweight title. And the main event, two undefeated cruiserweights getting it on. Richard Riakpour, 13-0. Dion Juma, 14-0. Over 12 rounds, really surprised to see that. Um, I thought it would probably be a 10-rounder. Um, but yeah, no belt on the line. Um, Dion Juma, as I've said, I feel like a broken record. He has been kind of super-duper inactive. He's been around for a long time, it seems like. He's 32 or 33 now, and his career's just been moving so slowly. Turned pro, I think he had a couple fights maybe in the UK. Then he signed, I believe, with Sauerland. He was fighting out there on, on, on undercards in Germany and maybe even Denmark. It was really random. And then he came back, and I remember he was on the sofa with uh, Steve Bunce, you know, for the Box Nation show that they used to have all them years ago. That's been gone for years and he was a undefeated prospect at that point and to think he's only 14 and 0 now and it's been god knows how many years it's been so slow but he gets in with Richard Riakpour it's going to be a good fight I think and um yeah good to see I mean Juma needs to win this fight it's a must win an absolute must win to take his career to the next level if he loses it that's probably career over really and that sounds crazy but I think that's probably the truth uh, moving out now to the first direct arena in Leeds, Yorkshire, United Kingdom. Once again, have you banged your head? Are we in 2007? Kiko Martinez is champion of the world currently, and it seems crazy. 43-10 and 10 with two draws, defending his IBF World Featherweight title against former champion, former holder of this exact belt, 
Josh Warrington, 30-1 with a draw. The pair had a really close fight before. A lot of people felt that Martinez nicked it. Martinez, since then, though, seemed to regress, while Josh Warrington certainly upped his game, beat Carl Frampton, beat uh, Lee Selby, became world champion. But then again, Martinez rolled back the clock last time out by by uh, knocking out Kid Galahad. So I think it's going to be interesting. And we're not too sure what Warrington has really got left after he fought that guy whose name I always uh, confuse with someone else and someone correctly um, or corrected me last time. They said it wasn't that guy, it was that guy. So I'm going to check it. Warrington lost to Maurizio Lara. Yeah, so he lost to him, obviously, the first fight. And then they had the rematch where... You know, Warrington went straight back in with him and then it ended in a technical draw after two rounds because of a cut. So um, we're still not too sure. We haven't really seen much of Warrington. We've seen like, what, one and a half rounds since he got pretty much destroyed really by Maurizio Lara. So I don't know. Is there going to be demons there? Martinez certainly seems to be up for it at this stage of his career. He likes to let those hands go. He can punch. Um... Who else on the card? We've got Maxi Hughes. Great fight here. Maxi Hughes, 24 and 5 with two draws, having probably the best time of his career right now. He's on such a run. He defends his IBO world lightweight title against Ryan Walsh, 20, uh, 27 and 3 with two draws. That's over 12 there. Ryan Walsh, good fighter, but seems like he as well kind of needs a win here, really, to to you know stay in the game stay at that kind of top well I say top level domestically he needs to win this fight it's a must win fight for him his career looks like it's kind of going down the pan at the minute um, elsewhere on the card we've got Maria Cecilia Roman who has a record of 16 and 5 um with a draw, by the way. She gets in with Ebony Bridges, 7-1. and one. This is for the IBF World Female Bantamweight title. Um, thing about Maria Cecilia Roman is that she's got the 16 wins, never actually managed to get a knockout, and her five losses, none of them have, came, have, have come by a knockout. Ebony Bridges, obviously known as the blonde bomber, but I don't think really hits that hard, to be completely honest. Um, I think it goes a distance here over 10 two-minute rounds. I'm going to uh, be really interested to see what Ebony Bridges' gas tank's going to look like as well in the second half of that fight because even though Maria Roman, I haven't seen her before, but I'm going off her record, 39 years of age um, and, you know, 16-5 and five with a draw. And it is quite crazy to think that she is an IBF uh, bantamweight world champion. She actually lost, by the way, in February of last year to Melissa Odessa Parker. But thankfully, or, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, fortunately for Maria Roman, her belt wasn't on the line. And I'm not quite sure why. Maybe it was just made over the weight limit there, catch weight. But, um, yeah, her belt wasn't on the line. So she lost and then still was champion, still held the title. Um, but, yeah, I'm just looking for her record as well. She ain't really been in with any standout names to me. Um, we'll see. There was a period in her in a pro career, I think, yeah, early on, where she actually lost four fights on the bounce and then got a draw. And then since then, she's been racking up wins. Um, a no contest in there as well. And the, 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 the loss to Melissa Odessa Parker, who's a really good fighter, that one was actually a majority uh, decision loss there. So, um yeah, that's interesting, actually. She could perhaps even upset the apple cart. We'll see. Should be a great fight. Elsewhere on the card, one of, I mean, one of the best prospects, certainly in the UK. A lot of people even extending that um, further in the UK. Dalton Smith, 9-0, trained by his father, Grant Smith. He gets in with Ray Moylet, who I think's from Ireland, 12-1. That one's for the vacant WBC International Silver Super Lightweight title. We've also got on the card, and this is another one, um... I've got some really interesting picks if anyone wants to jump on an accumulator or a parlay this weekend. Sky Nicholson, 1-0, getting in with Beck Connolly. I really, really think that one goes a distance. I think Sky Nicholson to win that one um, on points there. And, you know, there's a lot of other fights that I've already mentioned as well that I think are going to uh, are gonna go a certain way. So hit me up if you want my picks. Um yeah, thankfully, we've we've not got um, Edgar Belanga fighting again this weekend to ruin it all for us. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, elsewhere, moving out now to the Armory in Minneapolis, Minnesota. This one's going to be on Showtime. 
and I was supposed to be getting this guy on the show this week, but unfortunately it fell through, so hopefully at a later date, um, I was a little bit gutted actually, but the guy that I'm talking about is Mr. Tim Su, the son of Costa Zhu. His record, 20-0 in a 12-rounder against Olympian turned pro, and he's not a bad pro to be honest. Terrell Gaucher, 22 and 2 with a draw. This one's for the WBO Global Middleweight title. Um, Terrell Gaucher, obviously one of those Olympians that turned over. I don't think he really ever had much kind of shine, even though, you know, a guy that makes it to the USA boxing team for the Olympics turns pro. Usually there's a lot of hype, there's a lot of shine, everyone's excited. I don't really think that he had that, to be honest, which is quite unfortunate. And obviously he's had a couple of, you know, a couple of losses, two losses. I know one was to Lara, I think the other one might have been to Lubin. Um, I think he's got. A, I think he might have a draw in there. He's got a draw. It might have been with Austin Trout. Maybe I'm making that up. But he's not a bad fighter. He's not a bad fighter. He seems like he's kind of gone from a from a you know a high level amateur straight to a gatekeeper almost. So hopefully he can do something in this fight. But Tim Su looks like he has much more than just his um, his old man's surname. It would appear. Uh, also on the card, we've got Michelle Rivera, who's 22-0, a good prospect. I think he scored a great knockout last year, if my memory serves me correct. And I think he's the guy that likes to get his hair cut the same as Muhammad Ali's and even wear Ali on his shorts. But anyway, he gets in with Joseph Adorno, who's 14-0 with two draws. That's over 10 rounds. Should be a good fight there. Um, what else do we have on that card? Nothing else really to mention. Uh, moving out to Las Vegas now at the resort. World. This one, I'm not sure what channel it's going to be on, but I think it's a yeah, it's definitely a top rank sh- top rank show. So I'm guessing it's going to be on um, Sky Sports over here. Um, on the undercard, what do we have? We've got Josu Vargas, who's 19 and two in an eight rounder against Nicolas Di Mario, who's um, 15 and five with three draws. Vargas is he the guy that um, got knocked out last time by? Um, I'm sure, that's the guy who got knocked out by. Um, Zapida, yeah, it is he got knocked out in a round by yeah. Zapida last time? Yeah, so he makes. Yeah, his... I was gonna, I, I was gonna help you out with that. Yeah, he definitely did. I think, and and knows him well, so that's why yeah, why I definitely yeah. was gonna chime in. But uh, yeah, you yeah. got it, Joe. Cool. He um he's only twenty three, which I was quite surprised. I didn't know he was that young, but he gets in here with, as I say, Nicholas De Mario, fifteen and five with three draws. It's an eight rounder there, so all the best to Vargas. Hopefully, he can bounce back from that that bad knockout actually last time out. Um, elsewhere on the card, let's just go straight to the main event. We've got Miguel Bachel, thirty eight and two, stepping in with Jeremiah Nakafila, twenty two and two. Obviously, Nakafila um, last. I don't, I think I think it was probably last time out. I don't think he's boxed since. He lost to Shakur Stevenson. No, apparently he did um, go back home and pick up a win in Namibia. So, yeah, he is the uh, Namibian policeman who also owns a pub. And, um, yeah, his, his nickname's Low Key. Doesn't like to post any sparring or any training footage. Everything needs to be kept under wraps. And um, I quite like him, to be honest. But he boxed Shakur Stevenson and he was... Very under-impressive, and here he gets in with Bashelt, who um, is coming off that devastating knockout over a year ago now to Oscar Valdez, knockout of 2021. Hasn't been in the ring since. How's he going to look? We're not too sure, but prior to that fight, and even in the early parts of that fight, you know, a complete out-and-out beast, 38-2 and two with 34 KOs. Um, I think it's the perfect kind of guy to come back to. Uh, the only thing about Nakafila is he's absolutely massive for the weight. But if Bashelt can knock him out, that's something that Shakur Stevenson didn't do. So that would be the kind of splash needed to be right back in the conversation for the big fights at 130. Um, again, have you banged your head and woke up in 2007? Because we're going now to the Mesquite Arena in Texas, USA. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Topping the bill. This one's crazy, Eddie. Eric Morales, 52-9, and nine, getting him over six rounds against Orlando Salido. 44-14 and 14 with four draws. Unbelievable that that fight's going ahead. Wow. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow, that is the old folks' home right there. Oh, my oh, goodness. 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 That's crazy. But, hey. Let them go. Let them get in there. You know, they, I guess that's their way of staying in shape. I guess, huh? In front of the camp, in front of the lights, and everything. Exactly. That's crazy. 
Exactly. <laughs> and then the final card to mention, all the best, by the way, to those two guys. They're two absolute uh, legends of the sport. Still can't believe Salido beat Lomachenko and never gave him the rematch unless he got paid something like 10 million <laughs> um yeah crazy and yeah the last one takes place on tuesday march the 29th so by the time this fight takes place um we it would have already took sorry by the time we do the show next week this fight would have already took place so we will be reviewing it next week but here we are previewing it this week it takes place in thailand at the city hall ground in nakon Sawan. over here we've got and this is a massive fight, by the way. We've got Panya Pradabzi. Sorry, Panya Pra... Boy, oh boy. Panya Pradabzi. That's how big of a fight it is. I've had to say the guy's name three times. 37-1, and one, defending his WBC world minimum uh, minimum weight world title against Cheofon Moonsri, the guy that managed to get to 54-0 and 0 before losing to... This guy here. So here's the rematch. Cheofon Moonsri now 55-1. and one. Um, Can he beat Panya Pradabzi? And if he can beat him, which I hope he does, I'm going to petition and try, and try and get the whole of the world to sign a p- petition where, because he beat the guy that beat him, we can just go back and rub that defeat out on his record so he can still be undefeated and still carry on his mission to get to 60-0. and 0. Clearly a much better fighter than Mayweather was in his prime the numbers do not lie all the best to chair for moonsri there in in thailand but anyway that is it though for the preview part of the show in part one we did the review in then we welcomed our special guest mr zach parker the undefeated number one ranked wbo middleweight a uh, super middleweight sorry in the world the man who is um mandatory for Canelo Alvarez. He's getting it on with Demetrius Andrade. It's going to be exciting May 21st in Derby. And then in part two, we did the news and the previewing that I've just wrapped up there. That is everything. The final thing for me to do is to come in with the outro, which I'll do in just a few seconds. Okay, and this wraps up episode 336 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A huge thank you to our special guest this week, the undefeated WBO number one ranked super middleweight in the world, which was, of course, Mr. Zach Parker. Big thanks to him. The biggest thanks of all, though, goes out to you, the listeners. Thank you once again for tuning in to this week's show. Remember, if you do have a spare couple minutes, please leave us a review on iTunes. It always means a hell of a lot to us. But that's about everything from myself. Enjoy your weekends, people. There's lots of boxing to enjoy, and we shall see you all again next week.